New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hello, hello, everybody. It's Andrew Donsky from NaturallySavvy.com. And today I am hosting solo because my amazing co-host Lisa Davis is off. And I'm really excited for today's show because I have been watching today's guest. His name is Mastin Kip for a long time, back to when he was doing the Daily Love and getting his amazing daily emails. And I even had a chance to see Mastin in person. So I'm going to welcome Mastin Kip to our show, a speaker, a best-selling author. He was on Super Soul Sunday, which is really cool that I saw as well. So Mastin, welcome to Naturally Savvy Radio. Hi, Andrea. Pleasure to be here. So, so excited for today, too. All right. So when I saw you speak, I mean, I, I was blown away. I mean, seriously, Mastin, your energy is incredible. What you speak about is incredible. I saw you pick you. You had a woman in the audience that come up and you, you came up to the stage and you helped her through this amazing traumatic event. Talk to us a little bit about what you do. What is Mastin Kip all about and what are you doing nowadays? Um, that's a great question. And I'll do my best to make it as grounded as possible so that I can actually give you an <laughs> answer it. that's understandable because it's sometimes un-understandable. Un- <laughs> okay, um, go my, for it. My, I, I, uh, one of my teachers is a guy named Peter Diamantis, who, who is a part of the X Prize and this whole Singularity University and this whole exponential movement uh, that's happening today with technology and stuff like that. And I heard him speak once. He talked about this idea of a moonshot idea, which is an idea that's so big that you may not be able to achieve it in this lifetime, but you can set the foundation for it to happen. So my moonshot, the reason why I'm, I'm here on the planet, is um, to help end trauma. I believe that Trauma is a hereditary mm. process that we um, get passed down from generation to generation. And um, I've so many of my clients I've seen be physically, sexually, emotionally, spiritually abused. Um, and um, that's really sort of what I do best. And, and everybody on, the, on a certain level is traumatized. Um, you don't have to be you know, like an abuse shelter to be someone who's traumatized. Every person has trauma in their body. And what I believe is that trauma is sort of what is in the way of uh, people expressing their highest potential, the the greatest level of abundance that the human beings can express and collaborate on. And so that's why I'm here. And my specific skill set is that um, what I've noticed, I've worked with you know tens of thousands of people at this point. Um, everybody has, um, you could call them blind spots, unconscious patterns that they don't even know that they have um, that are holding them back. And I help people basically identify what those blind spots are and rapidly remove them um, so that they can move forward and, you know, live their purpose, really contribute, be more productive, um, you know, live a better life because most of what holds us back is not uh, circumstance. It's our own blocks that most, that we don't even know that we have. (laughs) Everyone has blocks. Mm. They don't know that they have. (laughs) And I help people identify those and move through them very quickly. That's what I do. Well, I love that you said that because, you know, as you were talking, I'm like thinking, okay, so we talk about trauma and the first thing that comes to mind when I think about trauma, like you said, it could be, you know, abuse, it could be something that happened that, you know, is super awful. But is trauma also, you know, negative programs that have come into our life over the years that may not be something as, you know, let's say on a scale of one to 10 may not be something like a 10, but it could be something that was a one or two. So it's trauma that comes in all different forms and sizes and you help people get get through that trauma no matter what it is. Yeah, if you look at the definition of trauma, it's basically, if you look at the definition, it's, it's, a, it's a wound. That's kind of what the trauma is. Okay. And if you, I like to geek out on words. If you look at the, um, there's a German word, traum, T-R-A-U-M, which is basically trauma without an A. And that means um, nightmare, which is really interesting. I, I, and so the way I look at, at, at a trauma is any wound from our past that produces a nightmare experience. 
and it's a nightmare of the past. So we're living in that. So it might be being fired from a job. It might be being cheated on. It might be, you know, thinking you know what your purpose is and then you lost it. It might be something even, you know, something very significant like childhood sexual abuse or something like that. Um, the thing about the brain and the body and the nervous system is the brain experiences pain equally. So, like, it doesn't really do anyone any good to really say, well, their trauma was worse than mine, so I don't have to work on me. If, if you're not where you want to be, there are unconscious blocks that you have that come from uh, experiences in the past where there was pain, but it became, it wasn't just painful, it turned into long-term suffering because of how you related to that event. Because there's all kinds of people who have been through what you could look at as traumatic events and thrive. Mm. There is a phenomenon called post-traumatic growth, which does exist. Most mm-hmm. people are familiar with post-traumatic stress, but post-traumatic growth does uh, exist. And so it's really, we all go through uh, unexpected turns in our lives. Things happen to us that we can't control. And it's about how we relate to that not just on a mental motion, uh, level or an aff- a level of affirmation or you know changing your thoughts around something, but really looking at the underlying emotion that was produced and the underlying meanings that were produced about those events and really working through that process in a really streamlined way. Um, my book that comes mm-hmm. out in September, Claim Your Power, I've been doing these interventions for years, sort of uh, outlines this framework of how I work with people so that people can do it for themselves and and move away, uh, move, move into their life faster. But trauma is anything that, that happens to you that you know causes a negative emotional experience uh, that's chronic that prevents you from uh, moving forward. It really is, trauma slows down your velocity to move forward, basically. Hmm. Which I you know understand completely and hear what you're saying, which I think is incredible. So now I've seen you in action. Like I said, I saw you bring that woman up to the stage. What I find interesting about the work that you're doing is that it's not years and years and years and years of therapy. I mean, you're able to get through to people super quickly. So talk a little bit about the process that you use in helping people. Sure. Um, well, I mean, if you look at the world today, everything is being disrupted, right? So Uber is disrupting the taxi industry. Airbnb is disrupting the hotel industry. The disruption is the name of the game. And because of um, you know, algorithms and because of exponential organizations and because of technology and the internet, um, we're able to identify patterns very quickly and produce better results. So I think the same thing is true and the same thing is happening in sort of, you could call it the, the therapeutic um, you know, human development world, therapy is a fantastic model, um, but it's not uh, efficient for like immediate uh, realizations of, 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 of invisible blocks, right? There's a process. Thera- the thing about therapists is that they usually have a code of ethics and they have uh, regulations that they have to sort of adhere to, which is important because it's how the profession maintains its um, integrity and its, its uh, best practices. As a coach and as an interventionist, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not bound by those same regulations. And so essentially, I just experimented with myself and then with clients and start, started looking at what was working. And I've sort of identified a model of how the human being is wired um, that's extremely efficient. And it's essentially just pattern recognition. And I'm able to identify certain patterns uh, through my work. And you know, every pattern has a correlating uh, limiting belief or emotion or you know, something that holds them back. And so because I've, I've just had such repetition here, we're able to really drill down to like, what the root cause is very quickly. Um, and that's what an intervention really is. It's uh, getting down to what the root cause is. And so you know, um, with a lot of life coaches, life coaches don't intervene. Life coaches sort of guide people. They ask questions. They're not really getting down into trauma. And a lot of therapists, you know, um, are asking questions, but they're also not really directive as well. And they don't tend to use really direct language like I do sometimes. 
Um, and you know, my mentor in this space and someone who I have tremendous respect for is Tony Robbins. He's sort of the uh, the, 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 the person who brought this type of work to the forefront, which is an extension of, you know, neurolinguistic programming and Ericksonian hypnosis and gestalt therapy. And, you know, he calls it neuroassociative conditioning. So I sort of picked up from that lineage and then sort of made my own distinctions around how we work with people. And it's really actually pretty basic. You know, there's a level of behavior that people want to change. So I want to quit smoking or I want to lose weight, or I want to stop eating donuts at 10 o'clock at night or whatever it is. And below that behavior, there's a story or belief, I'm sorry, a story or a thought like, hey, I can just have one, it's not that big of a deal, or, you know, I I deserve this because it's been a long day. And then below that story, there's an emotion uh, that's driving that, the emotion of, you know, hunger, wanting the reward of the dopamine payoff at the end of whatever it might be. There's a sense of loneliness or lack of being sweet or there's anxiety. And then below that emotion, is a belief about life. You know, I'm not safe. I'm not enough. Um, I'll never be provided for. I'm alone. And below that belief is what I call an OI or your original incident, which is something that happened uh, in the past that uh, was uh, produced a very discomforting, uncomfortable sensation that you made it mean something about yourself, which sort of produces that emotion that you don't want to feel, which produces the thought that I deserve it, which produces the behavior of the 10 p.m. donut. And so I just help people essentially navigate that process not on a mental level, because I can explain it to you, but on a very deep emotional and somatic level, so they actually have the feeling and the experience of change. Um, and this has been my work for probably the last, I think, five to seven years, and very seriously the last, like, four years. So that's pretty much all I do every day, is, is that work. Well, I mean, I love that you said that there were patterns that you, you know, that you found that you were able to now incorporate into your work. It's same way. And I, I was thinking like when I wrote my book on junk or junk food, I saw, you know, there were patterns about all the additives that companies were using in food. And then we narrowed it down to six to seven categories. So I totally get yep. what you're saying. And then you're like, okay, so there's that pattern that keeps happening. Okay. So I'm a parent, I'm a mom, I have three kids. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, there's old, there are these old wounds that happen or certain tra- traumatic events or whatever it is that happens in our, in our life, whether we're kids, whether we're adults, but as a mom and I have children and things happen all the time. If we notice, let's say an event that happens with one of our kids, how could we as parents use some of the tools that you teach to try and change that so that our children don't grow up with these patterns that again, then I guess can inter- interfere with their life as they get older and stop them from accomplishing their goals and their passions. Sure. It's a great question. Um, well, I think the expert on parenting is Dr. Shafali. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially, like, she has this whole concept of conscious parenting, which essentially means stop projecting on your children and live your life. So I think the first thing that a parent can do um, to set their kids up to win is to really live in their purpose and to be an example, not, uh, not do as I say, not as I do, but, like, live the life that you want your kids to be living. So doing your own work, healing your own traumas, taking those risks and starting your business or whatever it might be. So I think first and foremost, you got to keep your side of the street clean. Um, and especially if you're in a partnership, you know, like if you're in a partnership, like a, uh, like you have a, a husband or a wife or you're uh, some type of, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, neutral, you know, marriage um, person, um, whoever that might be. I, I use that term loosely because not everyone gets married these days. Um mm-hmm. But if you have that person and you have a business and you have children, it's like you better be on your personal development game like crazy. You better be like <laughs> seriously working on you first and foremost. And I think the other thing is, is that with children, it's important to, to model behavior that you want. And to, one of the problems that we have in the West is that we pathologize things to the point of neurosis. And what I mean by that is all we tend to focus on is what's wrong. And we make what's, when we try to diagnose what's wrong, we try to figure out what's wrong. Like my work is to help get clear on like what the patterns are and then immediately start to focus on what's working. 
because you want to take mm-hmm. what's working and amplify that more. And I think as, as parents, um, the best thing that a parent can do is to really pay attention to like, when is your kid the most lit up? What are they doing? Like, what are they, what are they most excited by and amplify that? And in the areas where they're stuck, you know, maybe pathologize it, but don't call it a disorder or ADD. Maybe your kid's brilliant and doesn't deserve, shouldn't be in, you know, some school that has standardized testing and then take medication <laughs> to make them standard. Like what? Like exactly. maybe your child needs to be in a different school. So maybe you got to do whatever you can mm-hmm. to really cultivate and protect that purpose. But the other thing that's true to understand is the idea that I, I'm, I'm not going to hurt my children is just an idea that I think produces more pain because they're going to get hurt one way or another. It's just life. And I think trying to prevent uh, pain and growth does them a major disservice because I think adversity is how you hone your skills and how you find, um, make your skills possible. Um, but I think if you keep your side of the street clean, if you help your children stay in the zone of what lights them up, you focus on some of the obstacles um, that are getting in their way and not necessarily take on a diagnosis from a psychiatrist who's never done a brain scan just as a symptom cluster, um, and maybe realize that you're, you might be medicating their genius um, and really supporting them in a system that best suits their needs. I think you're going to set yourself up to win. I think you're going to set your kids up to win. Um, and with that said, I also think that you know having them have some type of support, whether it's a coach or something like that, who can help them you know, internalize and understand their own feelings and emotions is very important. It's difficult to do that as a parent, especially when they get to be those teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, I'm we're approaching that yeah. right now. So yes, yeah, it's definitely hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I, you know, I love that you're saying that because I do believe in getting my kids their own coach. I mean, in fact, today we're going to see somebody and I do believe in doing our own work as a parent. So I think it's so important and you touched upon it. Like you hit that nail on the head is that as parents, we need to do our own work because then what happens and when we don't is we project that on our children. You know, That's right. one of the things I'm interested to, you know, what, for those people that say, that say, okay, you know, Mastin, it sounds great what you're talking about, but is there any research behind what you're doing? Talk to those people who may not believe a hundred percent that we need to be doing that research or that we need to be, you know, how we need to be interacting at or working with an interventionist. Um, well, I would say a couple of things. Um, one, it's an emerging field. Um, so um, the, the research is new. Um, and I think the most important thing to do is not just to do research, but to look at like, like someone's reputation and like the success of their clients and who they are as a person. Because, you know, on paper, you look at me, it's like, I'm a college dropout. I have a credential in yoga. I've never been for- formally trained in anything, uh, life coaching or therapy or any other type of stuff. So on paper, you know, um, it's like this guy's, you know, who's this guy? I've never once had any of my clients um, ask for a credential or a PhD. And in fact, I've had people who have been certified in many different modalities of therapy and, and uh, NLP or whatever come to me and sort of say, how do we do this? The thing about um, whether you're getting an interventionist or a coach or a therapist, it's, it's very much less about um, their credential as it is about your, the relationship and the container that you can create with them and where you feel safe and where you feel like they're in integrity and they have your best interest in mind. With that said, um, there is a tremendous amount of research around um, this type of information um, that I could probably start studying left and right. I think someone who's probably the greatest, uh, uh, she, she passed away recently, but the greatest amount of research into somatics being stored in the body is Dr. Candace Pert, who came from the ivory tower of science and she mm-hmm. discovered the um, opiate receptor, and she created peptide T, which helped in the AIDS movement. The movie Dallas uh, Buyers Club is about peptide T, and that was her creation. And the, mm-hmm. the, the smaller uh, she got in researching 
um, receptors, which is like kind of how like cells talk to each other and how like information gets spread around the body. You know, there's different dopamine receptors and all these different receptors. Um, you know, the smaller she got, the more woo-woo she got. And she finally started publishing with Sounds True, uh, talking about the soul because she doesn't have any concept of what's organizing all of this information in the mind, in the body. And the second she said the word soul, the scientists kind of like threw her out, but she has an incredible book mm-hmm. called The Molecules of Emotion, which really talks about, uh, with significant study and significant research and significant rigor, um, you know, how our bodies process emotion and the value of, you know, knowing that emotion is stored in the body. It's very, very, very well researched. Um, also, if you look at the work of like Dr. David Hawkins, um, you know, one of his books, Letting Go, uh, Power Versus Force, there's a lot of research around kinesiology and the muscle testing and the emotional states that the body gets into and like the meanings and how to go from one level of emotion to another. Um, and another great source of research, I mean, we pulled uh, very, very uh, strongly from gestalt therapy and neurolinguistic programming and Ericksonian hypnosis. It's, uh, it's a combination of all these best practices and there's all tremendous different um, uh, tremendous results. Uh, I think for us, the only research that we can really show is sort of the case studies with our clients. And ultimately, what's going to get you a result with a coach isn't going to be the coach. What's going to get you a result with a coach or an interventionist is your willingness to do the work. Because exactly. when I talk about the case studies of my clients, like a client who was on welfare and you know deciding whether she's going to get married or not for 10 years, victim of massive sexual abuse as a childhood working with us, you know, ending up getting married within a few months, going from having $200 in her bank account to making $47,500 in a month, like, cool, I'm awesome. Sure. Like the best practices work, but what we really got to look at is like, how is she behaving and what is, how is she relating to the content and the material? And I think that people who are skeptical in the personal development space should be skeptical because um, the space has been maturing. It didn't start with the most uh, the greatest sort of levels of integrity, but uh, there is a tremendous amount of well-researched um, material out there. And I think the most important thing is to find someone who has a track record of success in whatever you want to produce, and then to develop a relationship where there's mutual trust and to consistently review the progress that you're making and don't form a codependent relationship with your you know, counselor, therapist, or interventionist um, who is you know, the higher power in their relationship. They're really just a wise guide helping you remove blocks. Ultimately, you know, my goal is to help people associate with that teacher within them that has always known the way, but the trauma and the and the cortisol and the adrenaline uh, was just speaking louder. Ultimately, my goal is to bring people home for themselves. So, I mean, you know, I think Tony Robbins has has says the best. He goes, "My PhD is my results." <laughs> no, I day. love it. I think that's you know? great. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about grace. You know, I know that you talk a lot of, talk about it a lot. So, tell us a little bit and share with our with our listeners what that means to you. Yeah. Um, I would define grace as, um, how should I put this? Um, God's yes in your life. And if the word God doesn't resonate with you, it could be Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, Krishna, Tao, Rama, you know, divine, mm-hmm. Holy Mother, Father, God, Spirit, whatever. Um, whatever your source of the divine is. But I do believe that there, that the universe, there's a redemptive quality in the universe. And I do believe that every person was born for a unique purpose. And grace is this unearned yes. It's not a yes to your neurosis. It's not a yes to your trauma. It's not a yes to your fear. It's a yes to your purpose and to why you're here. And it's unearned. And there's this idea, you know, that stems from sort of um, original sin, which says I have to earn my good grace and approval with God, which I think is a gross misrepresentation of the message of every spiritual teacher ever. Um, You know, I believe that you are unconditionally loved. 
I believe that we come from a loving source and we return to a loving source. And grace is when, um, no matter how much karma you've built up or how much you know, good or bad you've, you've, you've developed in your life, uh, grace comes in and says, this is my yes in your life. And sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like a kick in the teeth. Well put. Grace is usually seen looking backwards, not in the moment. Because in the moment, it feels like a massive um, either uh, inconvenience or significant loss. Um, but typically, it's a, a significant turning point in your life. Hmm. Beautiful. So we only have a few minutes left, but I really want to cover a couple more things. So tell us how you've helped people. If there's one story that you're like, oh my God, this is like changed my life forever. What would that story be that you can share with our listeners? Um, of, of someone I've helped? Yeah. Someone that you've helped during your career. I think the woman, the person that comes to mind is a woman who is 72 years old and she came on a retreat with us and it was one of our longer retreats. It was 28 days. And she was one of the more stubborn clients I've ever worked with. Um, and it took her two years to get to this retreat, and she was stubborn the whole time, but had a tremendous spirit about her. And at the end of the 28 days, on the final day, she came out as gay. And mm-hmm. she's 72 years old. It's the first time she's ever admitted it. And like moments like that really moved me, because I think about like 72 years of unlived expression, um, what the rest of her life will be like. You know, did we just extend her life? Uh, because of that admission and how do we improve her life and i think about moments like this i think about moments when people come, a woman came to us who had been in and out of retreatment for uh, anorexia for 30 years and you know did an intervention with her and got to a layer that you know was not possible um, at some of the greatest uh, recovery centers in the world and i think about like that rapid transformation and just being able to get people to the truth of who they really are whether it's a sexual abuse victim or someone who has an eating disorder or someone who's in the closet, like whatever it might be, like that lights me up like no other. I'm not making any medical claims. I'm not saying that I can end this type of stuff, but I can help people see through patterns. And every time that something like that happens, it just, it, it brings a level of, of complete fulfillment to my life. And I, I know I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. And what gets me so excited is being able to also do that with people earlier in life so they don't have to go 30, 40, 50 years, uh, you know, living a way that, is out of integrity with their soul. So, you know, that, that, that type of stuff just lights me up like no other. Are you doing any work now specifically with children? I haven't uh, yet. Um, you know, we have Claim Your Power coming out in the fall, and that's going to be sort of the introduction of, like, this work and what I do to the world. Because right now I've typically only done it um, at some of our high-end retreats and some of our online programs with, um, you know, private programs, stuff like that. So, um, but I do know that this work can scale and grow to many different avenues. And my hope is that, you know, practitioners will be able to get certified and people will be able to take this work and, and be more efficient with, with their, um, with whatever they're doing, uh, to improve people's lives. Cause it's just, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an efficient system. Hmm. I love it. You're doing mass and I love their, your passion. I mean, that's for me. I mean, I know it, I get it. And I couldn't live without my passion, but doing the work that I do. So, you know, I fully understand you know, your purpose and why you're here and how you're able to share it with others. And you've developed that, you know, that process, you're able to help others, which is amazing. All right. So I want to oh, know before we go, what is your, you're welcome. What is your favorite mantra? Oh my goodness. <laughs> my favorite mantra. You could take a second to think about it. Um, 
Well, let's see, what advice do you love to give people? (laughs) Hey, listen, absolutely. (laughs) No, but you know what, you know, if there's something you want to, you know, that you love to share with people or something like there's this favorite quote that you love, something that you just wholeheartedly believe from the bottom of your heart that you want to share with our listeners. I think at the end of the day, so many people look at like manifesting or intentions or vision boards or reading, you know, books. Um, and they have these great intentions, but I, there's such a lack of follow through um, in, in, in human beings. And there's a lack of um, keeping our promises and a lack of staying in integrity. And I think um, the thing that's really lighting a fire under my butt, both in my life right now, but then also teaching folks. And what I'm seeing is making decisions that you cannot come back from that align with your highest intention. So an intention is not going to come true on its own. A vision board is not enough. Um, reading a book about it is not enough. Um, if I had one thing that I would say to people um, today, it would be burn the boats and make a decision that you cannot come back from that forces you to move forward towards your highest and greatest intention. And don't be afraid of doing that because um, that's when grace and a higher level of order comes in. So if there's a if there's a if there's a decision that you've been putting off, whether it's quitting your job or you know, saying, I'm, I forgive you, or I'm sorry, or whatever it might be, like just making a decision that makes it impossible not to do that. Um, you know, giving your resignation, you know, really, really taking your intention seriously um, and setting yourself up to win. I think that would be the most important thing. So I would just sort of summarize that as burn the boats. Hmm. Love it. All right. So where can people find out more about you? I mean, I have your book, but you know, let, let's share with others how they can buy your book, how they can find you on social media oh. if they want to interact with you. That is very kind. Um, thank you. Uh, Mastinkip.com, M-A-S-T-I-N-K-I-P-P, Mastinkip.com, at Mastinkip on all the um, social media networks. And uh, the book is uh, Growing Into Grace, which you can probably get on Amazon. Um, and that's uh, sort of the story about how I found my purpose. My next book is called Claim Your Power. And uh, it's this whole process that we've been discussing. It comes out in September of 2017. So we'll be, I'm sure, we'll, um, hearing more about that the closer we get to the book coming out then, too. And we'd love to have you back on for sure. Yeah, let's my, do it. Yeah, I'm in. I love it. And, you know, and like I said earlier, Matt and I, I, you know, I love everything about what you're doing and I've been following you for a while. So it's really, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show and finally be able to speak to you and interview you. So yeah, it's really exciting for me. It's been a lot of fun. Time went by so fast. <laughs> Woo! It totally goes by fast. All right. So I want to thank our sponsor for today. It's Maddie's Healthy's Maddie's Healthy Products, because without them, I wouldn't have been able to have such a great conversation with you. So thank you, Maddie's Healthy Products. They have immune boosters for cold and flu and all natural indigestion relief. So thank you, Maddie's Health Products. Mastin, it's a pleasure. I definitely want to have you back on the show. Have a terrific day. I'm Andrew Donsky, along with Lisa Davis, who's not here today, but she'll be back next time. And you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Radio MD, and at Health Media Gal One. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.